Dude, I was wrecked Thursday. So I heard last night. <laughs> I was so, so wrecked. Oh my Jesus fucking Christ. There's only one word for what I was Thursday night, and that is munted. <laughs> munted? I was munted. I blame the red wine. Red wine I know does bad stuff to me anyway. Ew. So I shouldn't drink it, but yeah. it was quite a nice um quite a nice bottle or three. <laughs> I was sat next to the old guy and every time I sort of drank half my glass of wine and put it back down and started talking to someone, I yeah, turned around and he'd be fill it but not filling it up to like, like most people like fill it up and with red wine leave a gap for it to breathe. No, he was filling it up to the top. Was he going a full meniscus? I was like what the fuck? He was like, someone's got to drink it. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I did it to him, filled his up. He was like, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing the same thing you're doing to me. There was lots of beer to begin with before we got to dinner. So I was on about a half hour pint before dinner. So we did four pints, then switched to the wine. And I'm pretty sure that on my own, I probably did at least a bottle, maybe a bottle and a half because they kept filling up my glass. <laughs> I think that as the... the New guy, the newest member of the management team. I think this was sort of a hazing as well. <laughs> then the shots came out. The contractor John bought around the shots, <laughs> which probably so that was Sambuca, which was promptly followed by "We need more shots." Dan, it's your round. So I had to buy a round of shots. The round of shots came to over forty quid. Wow! There were twelve of us. Okay, well that's just bad. Well, nearly four quid a shot. Then there was a couple more shots at the bar with Richard. Next thing I know, everyone's we've all left because we're all staying. We're all staying at the golf club, and it's eleven o'clock. Bar's shut. Wandered outside, and Jason and Andrew have gone. Dan, Dan, come just stay, but come chat with us for a fag. I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Chat with them backwards and forwards. Next thing I know, this taxi turns up. I'm like, come on, get in the taxi. I'm like, where the fuck are we going? I'm wrecked. And they're like, dude, we're going to Tenchi's. And I'm like, oh fuck, Tenchi's is a strip club. This, that's where they, they normally end up. I'm like, I've not got the money for Tenchi's. I've not got money at Cashman. They're like, no, 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 you'll be fine, you'll be fine. We'll go, we'll have one drink, we'll have one dance, and then we'll come back. I was like, right, I've got I've got a drive tomorrow, so just remember. They're like, yeah, yeah, be fine, be fine. Um, I don't remember arriving at Tenchi's. Um, I sort of came to at the bar with a drink in hand, and one arm round this bird who's, it turns out her name's Jane. Because she was mid-conversation and went, I'm really sorry, but I have no idea what your name is. She went, yeah, you do. I was like, no. She was like, yeah, my name's Jane. I've already told you. I was like, are you sure? She went, yeah, you told me your name was Dan. You grew up in Devon. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then the next thing you know, it's nine months later and you're going back to collect your newborn baby son. No, that's fine. There was was none of that. (laughs) I felt certain that story was going to end up with you being in a bath full of ice. Um, It... (laughs) could quite well have because the next thing I remember is Jason talking the bouncer into taking us back to the hotel um, and I got into bed about half past four and was then woken up by housekeeping at nine because the rest of the party had checked out so they thought <laughs> the rooms were empty
and welcome to this week's episode of Remedial Nerding, the podcast where three nerds force each other to watch something that they really should have already seen. Your friendly neighbourhood nerds this week are Nathan, Dan and me, Paul. Remember, there's no such thing as a bad nerd. So, whose turn is it for intro? Uh, I think you've done the last couple, actually, Dan. I think I may have. Well, if I'm honest, I watched this most of a week ago, and I've had extremely little sleep since then. Well, I watched it a couple of times a couple of weeks ago, and I watched it again yesterday into today. I'll give it a go. Uh, Wash picks up a transmission for some people asking for some help. It turns out it's not for Mal, it's for Inara, and it's an old friend of hers from the companioning days who was exiled from the Order. And a local landowner has got one of the uh, the girls at the bordello that Inara's friend runs. He's got a pregnant, and uh, he's trying to find out if it's his baby. And if it is, he's going to come and steal it. And they've asked for the crew of Serenity, or rather, they've asked for Inara to help. And she's uh, pledged to the crew of Serenity to go and assist them. I would say hilarity ensues, but that it, it doesn't. There's very little humour in this episode. A few little bits, but it's... It's pretty dark. Yeah, there's some apt humour moments, but on the whole, it's dark. It's one of the sad episodes. It is. It's a very humanising episode as well for a lot of the characters. I can see now how certain bits from the uh, the film have been set up in this one as well. Hmm, that's true. Although that's right at the very end. I did forget to mention this is episode 14 of Remedial Learning. 13 of Firefly, which means there's only one more episode to go after this one. So I believe we've we've reached the point that your uh, sister watched up to week one of the podcast and then stopped for fear that there'd soon be no more Firefly again. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. It was a good fear. Well, hopefully yeah, the, the podcast will help her get through this fear. Yeah, I was saying to, to Dan earlier that I think we should do a, uh, a side tangent at some point of um, what do you do next? What's your come down Curling from to a ball Firefly? And cry. How, how do you live your life when Firefly is no more? Uh, you go and watch uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog with Nathan Fillion. <laughs> or um, The Expanse, apparently, according to some Facebook rando I've never heard of, who I assume is a friend of yours. That'll be John, yeah. So we're just ignoring the previously on, which is basically saying... Yeah, this is everything from the last 12 episodes. <laughs> yeah, Here are all the um, on and off um, will they won't they romantic relationships that we've set up? Yeah, it made quite a lot of the whole will they won't they with Simon and uh, and Kaylee, which doesn't really go very far in the episode. There's a few few comments about it, but frankly, they're both a bit busy. <laughs> Tell me, I'm pretty wash. Hey, don't get ahead of yourself. That's that is one <laughs> of the the light few lighter moments of the episode. But now it is throwing a lot more light on the uh, the Mal and Inara relationship, which is key to this whole yeah. episode yeah was that a, a previously on from the pilot which yeah. at the time of original broadcast was unaired uh, yes it was about calling, telling Shepard that she was a whore but then in the past they've also done previously ons and used clips from future episodes just to confuse everyone so it's a, a google map zoom in yeah. on a very shiny <laughs> so building just, just you know what I was just thinking when did google earth come out because the shininess of the building bothers me what on the basis that the best way to capture solar energy is to reflect it back into the countryside exactly <laughs> solar cells the one thing they have to do is absorb sunlight and therefore don't typically look like mirrors <laughs> also like the the really dodgy special effects on that hover car they should have spent less time worrying about hovering and they should have spent more time putting a 12 volt power socket in it as will become evident at the end 
Well, maybe there is a 12 volt socket, but it's uh, micro USB and he needs mini USB. <laughs> so this is Rance Burgess turning up at the bordello, being told he's not welcome. Yeah, it's been a few weeks since we've had a quite Western episode, but this is um, lots more Southern Californian, arid shrubland, and guys on horses. Also, someone named Rance Burgess. <laughs> this is about as Western as it could possibly get. The fact that the, in this episode, actually, the ship is pretty much irrelevant to the storyline. The ship was going to be used, though. It had a purpose. Oh, it was, but it didn't get used to you. <laughs> yeah, which is why they could have not had the ship and had another couple of people with guns, and it would have changed the story very little. That, that DNA mine thing that he's using looks very painful. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he wants to determine, make sure the baby is his because they're denying it, and so he stabs her in the stomach with a device and takes DNA from her unborn child. Yeah, and then threatens to cut said unborn child out of her if required. Because it's just unnecessarily confrontational, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's quite aggressive. But yeah, we were saying it's a Western episode. I was trying to think if there's any element of the episode that wouldn't have worked if it was just an actual western if this was the the Utah, well not the Utah Territory, the Nevada Territory circa 1895 what would change? The hover car but the, you know. the hover car and the, uh, the check bat well, yes okay you'd have to put wheels <laughs> on the hover car but other than that <laughs> given that it wasn't actually hovering on set what would have changed apart from the um, post editing not a lot Maybe the tinfoil house. Uh, all the better to not be picked up by the FBI than the tinfoil hat. You can hide everything. I did quite like this bit of Mal cleaning his guns on the table. And Yara mocking him. Remember, the small concealed pistol goes on the left most of the dinner setting. Well, the other significant part of that is that she refers to him as a petty, as crook, petty which crook, which we previously established is his... Um, Trigger word? No one calls me chicken word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And so. which he must have known, so he's using that knowingly. In the same way that he uses whore. I did like the way he was at uh, this distress. Is it taking place in somebody's pants? <laughs> Here's the thing I liked about that scene, is that the... Wow. Exactly. The, so in Ara startles him and he lets out a, a involuntary and embarrassing bah! shriek and then explains it to, you know, a man He's a warrior's bar. But then I like the fact that that little end scene where he's aiming the gun at, you know, just off the axis of the camera and looking all smouldering is used in the title sequence. But it's actually him being the least cool he's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to miss this opener. I'm going to miss everything about this. So now that I, well, once we've finished Objects in Space, I'm going to go and rewatch the entire series in a more, more timely fashion. You're going to go binge. I'm going to binge, yeah, yeah. When you say timely fashion, you mean the opposite of how it was um, originally intended, because rather than watching one a week, you're just going to chain them. Yeah, exactly. You'll watch it the Netflix way. Exactly. <laughs> so now Inara's in the shuttle, taking a call from a friend, and I do quite like her description of the crew. <laughs> well, if they've got guns and brains at all, well, they've got guns. Nandy, that's it, her friend, who used to be... A, uh, a companion, but obviously isn't anymore. I'm, I'm pretty sure the uh, Chinese that's used during this dialogue is all swear. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely sweary Chinese. Yeah, there's a couple of hints thrown as to what 
companions are in the suit setting, which is all through the series been a little bit ambiguous. I mean, you referred to them as an order earlier, which makes it sound like Jedi, which I think is yeah, not exactly right. <laughs> I like this bit. I suppose you heard most of that only because I was eavesdropping. <laughs> so they, they are in order, but they're also like part, part escort, part geisha, part counselor. Yeah, I mean the parallels with um, priests has come up before. Sexy priest. Let's put an end to that train of thought, shall we? Yeah, let's not go any farther <laughs> down that one. No, they're not companions. They're whores. Did I just say father? Why the fuck did I say that? Further? <laughs> Jesus, what's happening to me? Oh, there's something I hadn't noticed before. Um, she says, they're not companions, they're whores. Yeah. I do feel she could have chosen a middle term for that, but then... Um, yeah, she says they're not affiliated with the guild. They are, and Mal completes the sentence with independent, which is, of course, exactly what he was. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that she chose Mal's word for her. Hmm. Which I think that kind of drove her choice of word. The conflict with the crew to see who's on board. With the steady cam wandering around. <laughs> Jane's not so sure. Mainly because of the mm-hmm. price. I do like that he's articulating a clear alternative perspective, albeit one that's completely <laughs> obliterated when he discovers he might be able to get laid. I don't know, these folks don't care. They're whores. I'm, I'm in. in. <laughs> you think they could have landed Serenity a little bit closer? Well, we've talked about stuff like that before. You don't want to make it enormously obvious that someone's landed a, a massive spaceship nearby. <laughs> I hope the whores are prettier than the house. But the house is shiny. Well, Jane at least managed to remember to hang his hat up. And he's wearing a button-up shirt. Yeah, he has dressed up for the occasion. I did find that strangely charming. <laughs> so how much of a horrible animal did you think he was in this episode, Nathan? I thought he was a perfectly respectable gentleman. <laughs> Can I start getting sexed already? <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> well, it's context-appropriate. It's true, it's true. I mean, maybe it's not the most delicate use of language, but he's not um, fondling anyone unwantedly like he has in the past. It's true. Kaylee seems quite pleased that there are boy whores knocking around, which I think has made Simon quite uncomfortable. Really? I thought he was just professionally distracted. Uh, I I think it's the comment about uh, no one lining up to service Kaylee that gets him a bit more worked up. Yeah, exactly. I think Kaylee's poking him a little bit there. Rather than him poking Kaylee. Hey! <laughs> wow. You're not intentional. <laughs> and Simon manages to pick the one pregnant girl out of the room. It's some good doctor in there. In a, in a purely professional capacity. Yeah. Now, this I... is an interesting one with Shepard, where he's getting a bit of food, and uh, the girls are going to be talking to him, and actually they want him to you know, shepherd for them. And he yeah, takes I'll... it right out the of The things context. I like about it is how wildly uncomfortable he is which is a first because he's been a pretty much stone cold badass throughout so it's nice to see him completely out of his comfort zone there you go Dan were I unwed I would take you in a manly fashion because I'm pretty because you're pretty (laughs) here we go back to the the layout of what's uh, what's going on filling in the crew yeah laying laying the groundwork with Mal and Zoe letting them know what they're up against yeah, the, the, the setup, the, it's very different from their heist setup, isn't it? The heist setup falls back to the walk around the room with the steady cam into the action as it's being talked about. Whereas this one is a straight up, 
this is the situation, what are you going to do? Yeah, I think that's because it's kind of building towards a battle. Hmm. So there's not a lot of preparation to do. Or when there is, they want to present it in chronological order to build the tension. Yeah. I guess this is Mal's most outright military job that he's set up. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, other than the military flashbacks we've had, there he is in his fancy duds from uh, Shindig. I didn't go back to look if those are or are not the same clothes that he had in. I'm, I'm just assuming they are. I don't think Mal yeah, has yeah, any I, fancy duds. I didn't actually go and look either, but I assumed it looks like the same kind of odd double-breasted jacket. And he does, of course, have the uh, Western-style high-collar and cravat kind of arrangement. So that that pistol is obviously a descendant of the Latimer. It does look it. It's the first proper laser pew-pew pistol we've seen. Hmm. It's exceptionally laser pew-pew. It's a lot of silver ge- geometrical shapes duct-taped together and then LEDs stuck on it. <laughs> Some blinking LEDs, yeah. Do you think that um, light puppet light show in the background is just recounting the opening crawl to Firefly in Chinese? <laughs> I think you might be right, actually. There seem to be a lot of planets going around and ships flying from them. Yeah, I was going to say the first bit where um, little ships going away from the first planet on there. Mm. I liked uh, Mao's little zinger at the end of the conversation with that. And obviously when he starts off, uh, she's a beauty and he goes off to talk about the gun. And he finishes off of, obviously I was talking about the lady. It seems from this point that his missus is fully on board with the get the girl pregnant, steal the child plan. I don't know, her face didn't look very impressed with it. It's a bit ambiguous. She only, only has the one line and it's the word rants question mark. And we also never get to see her again. Yeah, so her home, home life is a bit of a mystery. Now, the question sounded optimistic. But then, yeah, mm. it could have been optimistic that she was hoping for a uh, negative. I'm not sure, it is a bit uh, Margaret Atwood-ish. I was expecting you to ask me, Nathan, when what your mal says about getting out of here. Oh, yeah. I was expecting you to say, do you think he means grabbing the crew and run? And I knew from the second he said it, he meant to take Everyone. all the uh, all the yeah. girls mm-hmm. and the boys, and they all run. But Nandy won't. She's spent far too long building it up. Because the House of Gold to her is to her exactly what Serenity is to him. Yeah. That, that's it is the, 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 the first instance of what... Yeah, the parallel that becomes pretty damn strong by the end, and to the point that characters are explicitly saying, you know, that you two are a lot alike. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, Nandi is kind of a mirror of Mal in this episode. Yeah, and that she'll do anything for her crew. Yeah. And for her, or what she's worked so hard to get. I think part of the reason I've got quite a positive view of Jane in this episode is that he seems to make a special friend quite early on. And I think you see those two together in every other scene that he's in. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you get the impression. Friendship. Yeah, I mean, commercial as it may or may not be, it seems like she's into it. Yeah. <laughs> he is her hero, after all. Well, look, no one's denying he's not a, a action man come to life. <laughs> Plastic biceps and all. Oh, is River a psychic, or has she just spotted the woman having contractions? We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to spoil, but is River psychic is a key stakes question of episode 14 save that for next time yep but we have already had Simon point out and say yeah she's just unfeel she sees everything and notices everything so it could just be 
But oh wait, this this woman's just had a contraction. There's the girls talking to the shepherd again about what they want him to say over them if they uh, if they don't make it. Uh, shepherd's uh, no one here's going to die. Cut yeah, to Jane. There's people here going to die. die. <laughs> well, as I say, I think she's into it. I think he's put, laying it on to impress her. Yeah, definitely. But I do like that Shepherd has some shepherdly things to do. Other than bury people. Well, yeah, I think I said in one of the first first episodes that he's in is that normally priests in fiction don't really do any priesting for one reason or another. Do you think of Friar Tuck in the Robin Hood films? He just makes beer, doesn't he? Hmm. Possibly mead, depending on how historically accurate they're trying to be. (laughs) And now we've got... uh... Wash and Zoe talking about having a baby and Wash is not enamoured of the idea. Not while they're both living on serenity in constant danger. Yeah. Which I think is an entirely reasonable objection. I think I would also be saying you have to choose between a life of constant fugitive um, crime or childcare. You can't really do both at the same time. It's just to think back through each episode. How would this have gone differently if they'd have had a small screaming child on board? <laughs> How would it have gone differently if one or both of the pilot and first in command had been so tired they were visually hallucinating at the time? <laughs> <laughs> they would have just been extra Janes. So we've got Nandy laying her guns out on the table, showing them off to Mal. She's she's pulling out all the stops in her flirting. But I think it's it's just genuine between these two. Yeah, the, the, it's definitely a solidly built relationship. Because it's a bit later on where she's talking about he hasn't chosen a girl and gone mm. for payment, and he's like, oh, I'm kind of a bit preoccupied at the moment, I'll think about that later. It's just that this bit here. Yeah, fact, it is here, yeah. I presume that having these um, moment of uh, gun nerdery here, it's just a parallel with Mal cleaning his guns earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So are you sly? No, no, yeah, I, I, tend, I, tend toward the, I tend towards women folk. Something that I like to do in series like this actually occasionally is just do a checklist of who do we know who's definitely straight or not straight. And I guess this is the first time we explicitly tick Mal in the straight column. Yeah, it's never, it's never been raised with anyone but Inara, who we know. Which I know, I know would probably be enough to make most people um, make a, dis- a judgment call on that, but you know. Maybe this is like a uh, video game and it's just whoever happens to be in the Inara role he's, attra- he's attracted to. Just going, <laughs> going back a, a few, a little while ago, we were talking about the uh, the Order, the the companions. Nandi has just said that Inara would become High Priestess in time. Oh yeah, that's a bit of an odd title if it's not a, if they're not Jedi. <laughs> yeah. It gives you more information on the guild, but the terminology is just all over the place. Well, that's um, true of Firefly in general, isn't it? It's using weird words in familiar contexts. Like Inara and Simon and River discussing how the, the, none of them have delivered a baby before. But Simon is an awesome doctor, so I'm sure he'll be fine. I like River's question of who you think's in there. Yeah. <laughs> a profound question, but not necessarily one you want to ask at that moment. I don't suppose you've, I've, I've ever thought about that as a question to a pregnant person <laughs> who do you think's in there I hadn't twigged in this scene before that both Mal and Nandi have had at least a few drinks where they are relaxing and chatting about how she got kicked out I, I think 
at this point they've had several drinks and I don't think she's holding back with the liquor. Yeah, I don't think they're they're not what you would describe as shit faced. No, but they are comfortably drunk. Well, that decanter's still got quite a lot of liquid in it. It could be the second. It may not be the first decanter though. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, <laughs> or the third. It seems like they may be at the stage where you have to form a strategic plan about standing up before you do it. Plot your route across the room before you try and stagger and kind yeah. of time your lurches to one side around the obstacles. Your lurches with your intended footsteps. They have both dialed the uh, the flirtation up to 11. <laughs> yeah, in that one drink. Because an, an ongoing theme of Mal and Inara's relationship has been not saying what they mean. I mean, that came out a lot in the Our Mrs. Reynolds episode, but the, the contrast is pretty damn striking with Nandi, who says exactly what she means as soon as she thinks it. Well, there's a couple of points in this where you're expecting Inara to say what she means, hmm. mm. and she doesn't at all, and then comes to rue her decision it's a good use of the word rue. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, maybe I should get the shepherd. I ain't sinned yet. I'd feel a little more than awkward if he was here when I did. <laughs> right, the lead into that is I have a confession to make. But then it does. It's an excuse for another um, minute and a half of aren't companions an awful lot like shepherds when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe for the more fun bits of life. I like this. When she's suddenly worried that he's stopping the kissing is... Him having second thoughts, he's just like, no, I'm, I'm just waiting to be knocked out. <laughs> yeah, again, throw back to our Mrs. Reynolds. <laughs> How long has it been since your last confession? <laughs> you can remember where everything goes. It's about the most explicit that it gets. This is yeah. I don't think we've even had in our scenes that have been this explicit. Uh, the pilot was fairly so, although yeah, maybe not quite this much. Now, was that little stuttering footage Netflix just then, or would that have been the ad break? It may have been an ad break. Did they ad break in the middle of the sex scene? I think that may have been your Netflix. That's fine then. I did it on mine as well. Maybe just something to do with the Netflix edit. It was just like a half-frame backstep. So now we found out that one uh, one of the girls is positioned as Judas Iscariot and has even offered silver for her troubles. Mm. Lots of religious connotations. Well, there's quite a lot of that. There's quite a strong theme of that throughout the episode. You know, that whole last scene with Mal and Nandy and uh, all the bits of the Shepherd before. I did like the Shepherd's line of, uh, I've been following in the footsteps of a carpenter for a while. Yeah, I thought that was quite good. So I didn't quite twig what happens at the end of this scene the first time I watched it. Oh. Did you did you not? No, 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 I didn't. I was probably a bit distracted because it's pretty blatant. I'm a man. I'm in charge. To prove this, get on your knees, woman. She was praying. That's all, that's all that was. That <laughs> I mean, was prayer. Lawrence Burgess, he's good at rhetoric, apparently, but I still feel like if I'd been in that crew, in that um, posse he's gathering up in this scene, the end of this scene would have been me shouting, seriously, guy. <laughs> seriously? <laughs> I mean, we're all seriously... <laughs> We're right here. Seriously. I, this is just wildly unprofessional of your rants. <laughs> Do you mind if I call your rants? I mean, you've already been pretty I, familiar with us. Yeah, I feel I know you now on a, <laughs> on a first name basis. I got a feeling that that would have been where the ad break was, not during the sex scene. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Birds chirping. Everyone wakes up with strategically placed bedwear. The traditional way. Mouths walk of shame. 
doesn't get very far. No. Straight well, into Anara. <laughs> it's um, strange to see Anara flummoxed. Momentarily, though. Yeah. She, she gets a lid on it pretty quick, but... Oh, yeah, only because she just clamps down on it completely. Yeah, she goes into professional mode. Yeah, one of the virtues about not being hung up on sex is not being embarrassed by it. Doesn't mean it can't be heartbreaking for you, you stupid woman. If only she'd have told him how she felt, what, ten episodes ago, maybe? <laughs> we could have maybe. avoided all this uncomfortableness. And the whole business with your Safbridge. But then they wouldn't have made their big score, so... We still don't actually know that they managed to sell that. Yeah, that's true. We just have to assume they did because they stopped mentioning it. Yeah. Now, I can't have been, can't have been comfortable sleeping on top of that gun. <laughs> that's what she said. I can't even really call it a double entendre with this. It's all far too blatant. There There's we Inara. see Inara breaking down over Mal. The hypocrite that she is. I'm pretty sure that Mal is still completely in the dark as to how Inara feels. Yeah, I think that's true, because um, to jump ahead at some point, um, Nandi basically says, why didn't you tell me that Inara was in love with you? And he goes, what? Yeah. And then there's an explosion. Okay, slightly random. In the subtitles, Mal is in lowercase. Wash and Kaylee were both in caps. I think that was to indicate that he was talking over the radio and not just out of frame. Ah, okay, yeah, that might, that, make, that would make sense, because he's in caps again now. Ah, yes, because Jane's in lowercase when he's over the radio talking <laughs> dirty to the, the girl whose toes he appeared to be sucking. Did we see, did we see um, Vera lined up on the bed for Jane? I'm not sure. This is just a moment in time, let it happen. That sounds like some, uh, some good indoctrination there. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like some terrible advice. Depends on your line of work, I suppose. True. I'm glad that they fitted a gun to that hover car. It makes it look quite Mad Max. I say that not having seen Mad Max. But when I hear the words Mad Max, that's what I think of. Hover car with a gun on it. Okay, I think I just missed that bit where you were about... Oh, uh, why don't you tell me she was in love with you? And Yeah, Mal having no idea and then getting called away on the radio and not actually having a chance to go back to it. Mal has put to bed all notion of Inara having any feelings of that way. Everyone concentrating on the task at hand now, rather than thinking with their libido. How effective do you think those random boards nailed across the windows are? Not very. I thought of that last time. Unless you're trying to keep <laughs> out a zombie horde. Yeah. But they've got very big holes in. They've got yeah. arm-sized holes. Did no one think to lock the door? <laughs> Obviously not. They're in the middle of a desert. Why would they need to lock the door? Katie and Wash just getting back to Serenity and they're getting inside and they're being shot at by the men. Yeah, the two probably least battle effective characters having a quick battle. I can't imagine a hovercraft like that as a particularly stable firing platform. <laughs> I guess it depends how it hovers. But to be fair, his bullets are going you know, wildly peppering the entire side of the building. So, Not that tin foil. That's not even Vera he uses to shoot him. To be honest, I do not remember what Vera looks like, apart from it was in a spacesuit last time. <laughs> if you imagine all the things you've seen in films that have ever, at one point been stuck to the outside of a gun, stick them all <laughs> on one gun. Yeah, that was Vera. Big sights, extra bullets, uh, laser sights. Yeah, everyone else seems to be using Old West bolt-action rifles. And there's Wash using like a, I don't know, Colt 45 Magnum, mm-hmm. firing significantly more than six shots from it. 
So I guess that comes back to, are these laser poo weapons, or are they actual bullet-based mm. ones? Well, that that's definitely a laser pew pew weapon. Oh, well, that was definitely a laser pew pew <laughs> one because we, you know, we talked about that earlier. But that's why that's why I think the other weapons are actually just normal guns. Yeah. Because it's cheaper, it's more effective, it's less maintenance, and you don't run out of battery at awkward moments. There's a lot of stunt riding going on here. Yeah. A lot of extras were being paid to fall off horses. I did think that bit where you saw them uh, delivering the baby, and everyone everyone's very wide eyed, but with very very different expressions around them. <laughs> Bird just being let in the back door. Strangely, not a euphemism in this case. Shame on you, Dan. <laughs> the posse patrolling the uh, Serenity at the moment. This is quite a ballsy move from Wash as well. Yeah, running down the corridor yeah. to the engine room while they fire at him with no cover. I feel like that's a bad idea. Considering how delicate Serenity's engine seems to be. Well, I was thinking rather than how, how delicate, delicate his spine and kidneys are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you would have thought a lot uh, at some point they might have given Kaylee a bit of a heads up on how to fly. Well, apparently not because um, yeah, they've managed to cunningly trap the the posse in the corridor, but also got the pilot in the engine room and the engineer in the ca- uh, cockpit, which is basically just an excuse not to feature Serenity at all. So it's on the special effects budget. They spend the special effects budget on the hover car. <laughs> and the pew pew laser. Oh, the pew pew laser would have been easy to animate. That's a. Uh, I mean, they managed it in Star Wars. Just draw over the <laughs> broom handle with a glowy pen. <laughs> Someone's got over the master negative with an OHP pen. Yep. This is pretty badass from, from Inara. Holding a knife to his throat. I was just getting interject to say that baby is not 20 minutes old. <laughs> now I'm sure he just shot Nandy in the in the stomach out of spite. Yeah, because she orchestrated the kidnapping of his son, in his eyes at least. So it, it's interesting with looking at Inara's facial expressions. There, she's gone from distraught to quite hardened to kind of questioning as she looks at Mal. And you know, Mal doesn't like people taking stuff from him. It's where he's gone full on ninja Action mode. Hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a. I don't think we've seen this technique used in Firefly before, correct me if I'm wrong, of action scenes where they slow down the film for leaps and things. No, I think it's all been done sort of real time, hasn't it? There we go. Mm. Check battery. Should have plugged it back, put it back on charge. Then you fired like half a dozen shots from it. But then maybe the hovercraft's power source isn't very good because it's certainly not very fast considering he managed to catch up with him on a horse at barely a canter. (laughs) That exchange between the two of them was... uh interesting with Burgess declaring she's just a whore yes well we already know that from Shindig that Mal doesn't like other people calling Inara a whore yeah and that he's it's, it's not the person he disrespects it's the profession yeah well I mean in the real world dehumanising language does contribute towards unprecedented violence towards mm. sex workers I mean not to get too real here well sex workers minorities Foreigners, precisely. I mean, yeah. Any any kind of difference, if you dehumanise them, it kind of it's an excuse for uh, carrying out all sorts of atrocities. It short circuits people's moral instincts. So I'm trying to remember, I can't remember if it was a film or a book or a computer game. It was on about if if a man's holding a gun to your head, you better hope that he's an evil man, because a good man will just kill you. That feels like Terry Pratchett to me. It, it might be, but I can't think of a Terry Pratchett book that I've read where they were talking about guns. 
Hmm. Ah, no. It is Terry Pratchett, and it is from, well, the one with the gun in it, the uh, the Nightwatch. Oh, what is that? Oh, the listeners are going to be infuriated now. Uh, not Feet of Clay. Men at Arms. I've is got it Men at Arms? Just behind me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Men at Arms. Isn't that the one with the dragon? No, that's Scars Guards. Oh, yeah, so it is. So that's completely off topic. <laughs> yeah, so... Meanwhile, back at the funeral, Shepard doing some shepherding. And uh, Serenity slowly leaving. Yeah, we are in the, the denouement with uh, Nandi having been killed in battle so that she's not around to be a complication anymore. Yeah. So the outcome of this conversation is not quite what I was expecting. No, I was definitely expecting it to go the other way. Yeah. Uh, and I would take the opportunity now to confess. Well, it does to me shed a little light on why she's been so obtuse up till now because she's, in her mind at least, it's a straight choice between be around Mal or continue to do her job and she decides that she prefers her job at least in this moment mm. it's only now that she's decided that she can't do both yeah yeah. which I guess is why she says I should have done this a long time ago which in the context of the episode seems like a lead in to confess her true feelings as opposed to yeah. head off or wherever she is on the in the film well, especially the way Mal's talking about life being too short for you know ifs and maybes it certainly seems to be setting it up for in order to say that. Had there been a season two, do you think it would have been like um, six episodes before she managed to... Six episodes where it was like, oh yeah, I'm leaving as soon as we get to X place. And then episode seven is the dramatic change of change of heart. Given that I've not seen the next episode, I don't know, because I would kind of assume that she's not in the next episode. I would then I would assume from that that she would have turned up at around about episode six or seven. I actually don't remember if she's in the next episode or not, so I can't spoil it for you. I can't remember. I've not watch the head either I think even Mal at this point thinks she's about to say it oh yeah I think everyone does have yeah it. that's how it's set up Nathan Fillion does stoic and hurt really well and that's it have you seen him in anything other than this what Nathan Fillion yeah Castle I've not watched any of Castle no I've not um, seen any of I Castle I think I've, I've seen a, an episode or two um Dr. Horrible's uh, sing-along blog where he plays Captain Hammer Yes, but Captain Hammer has no internal emotions or monologues, so... <laughs> no, he's about as opposite as you can get. But the only other thing I've come across him in is uh, in the voiceover for one of the characters in Destiny. He's also a voice in Jade Empire. Oh, is he? He's Gal the Younger. Ah. Uh, the um, shitty younger son who you defeat in battle in Act 1. Yeah. I'm sure he's been in a lot more. To Jade Empire, that was an IP that should have... Should have got another outing. Definitely. So I've been thinking about this while I've been watching again. That is probably one of my favourite episodes of the series. Really? Yeah. It is relatively one of my less favourites just because it's sad. I see I'm I'm a big fan of something like the Ferric victory. Hmm. You like the um complication of everything's kind of turned out right but everything has also changed. Yeah, it's like if I ever get around to writing a story, you know, They'll probably will save the day in the end, but there'll be some huge personal cost to pay. I mean, I say this as someone who has not got to the end of it. Is that how Mass Effect kind of goes? Um, Much to the annoyance of half the internet. Too much, yes. Isn't that? Yeah, I think that's how all three of the Mass Effect ones end up. The the trouble with Mass Effect is Mass Effect One. There's lots of different options. Mass Effect Two. There's lots of different detail options, but there are ultimately only two outcomes to Mass Effect Two. You either survive or you don't and it just depends how many of your companions make it 
or rather how many times you have to reload it to make sure they all survive mm. <laughs> and then Mass Effect 3 branches out even more and then condenses down to a, ultimately three choices <laughs> three colours I'm assuming that but anyone that's going to play Mass Effect 3 has played it in the, since, long since yeah, but you, yeah exactly it's three colours it's blue, red or green one of which is you uh, you side with the uh, the machines and bond with them another one is you blow them all up and the other one is um, some sort of melange of the two in the middle but either way whichever of the three you go you have to sacrifice your life to it and then it plays out and there's the cutscene which has got a slightly different tinge depending on your choice and you see the, some, some of the living characters and if you watch to the end of the credits the very last thing it does before it goes back to the menu you hear yeah thanks for spoiling my uh, my little big reveal there Dan <laughs> depending whether you're a manship or femship literally the last thing you get is this intake of breath it's like ooh, ooh maybe they survived but you only get that if you got to like a certain completion level in the game. Yeah, you had to add your galaxy completion level up, then you're in the 90s, yeah. I think, to get that. Anyway, that's a massive aside. I think as much as I am replaying Mass Effect 1 on my Xbox, I am not going to do a 90 hours worth of gaming for podcast for to, to do Mass Effect <laughs> 1, 2, and 3, as much as I love the game series. I was really fascinated by everything I heard about it, but I actually didn't enjoy the gameplay very much because I, I'm have terrible coordination and timing and consequently for me it was just hero of the galaxy brave new human spectre gets gunned down immediately by low level grunts that was my (laughs) epic space fantasy so i'm tempted to just go through it on youtube what would work quite well is they did it for the end they did it when they released mass effect 2 on the playstation 3 they did uh, like a a serialized comic version of mass effect 1 which just basically Mm. detailed the main plot points and you could make the decisions, so like who you had to sacrifice. Also, oh, it was like the Telltale Games version of Mass Effect. A little bit like that, but what it did was effectively gave you the end of Mass Effect 1 save file to start Mass Effect 2 with, with your decisions. And they did the same for Mass Effect 2 for mm. Mass Effect 3. So you could mm. turn all three of them into one sort of Telltale Games So that was, story. that was the uh, little interaction you have with Atten at the start of Knights of the Old Republic 2. Yeah, where he has an extremely vague recollection of the events of episode one, and you correct him according yes, to what exactly. you remember to be true. Exactly. Nathan Fillion was in um, in games ODST and Halo Five. Of course he was. Yes, of um, he was. But most of his work seems to be voiceover stuff. He does have a good cartoons voice, although, and games. Yeah, I don't know actually. There's some actors where you think their voice is way better than their physical appearance, and that's not the case with Nathan Fillion. Uh, oh, Guardian of the Galaxy. He was the inmate. Yes, he was. Yeah, the big one that the, the one puts the his fingers violated. Yeah, yeah. He did have a character in Monsters Inc. Uh, Monsters University that he voiced, and the character did kind of look like him as well. Yeah, hmm. I've not seen Monsters University. He apparently he was in Percy Jackson's Sea of Monsters. Oh, yeah, he's Hermes. Not seen that either. Yeah, he, he plays the role of Hermes. I've just realised something slightly weird about Skype I assumed that because Dan was looking at me he was directing that question at me but mm. equally yeah. from Nathan's point of view he would have been looking at Nathan um, yeah lot of, lots of voiceover stuff um, it was in a couple of episodes of The Guild Felicia Day's nerdy thing I've heard that's good uh, yeah it's, it's quite good it's considering uh, it was again one of the first ever web series it was very low budget but it's very good it's very well written and acted brilliantly for what they had um, he was in the movie Super apparently as the Holy Avenger 
but yeah most of it is voiceover stuff bit parts he needs to be in more shit he does yeah so next week then 14 or 14 out of Firefly <laughs> objects in space a bounty hunter bent on apprehending River and collecting the reward for her capture brackets no fucking shit <laughs> boards the ship at night catching the crew off guard how is it night in space? <laughs> well, we just proved that they, they don't lock the door either. Well, they do in space because they, when um, in Out of Gas, um, the door was locked and Mal had to open it for the guy with the spare part. True. So it's locked when they're in space, but not when they're parked. <laughs> I can't remember very much about this episode at all. I, it's not one that I re-watch because it's... I think it fits well as the capstone to the series, but it's not self-contained in the same way that, like... Trash is. Yeah. In that it's a fun caper for an evening. Imagine this one is probably going to be a little bit open ended with the aim to lead into and set up for season two. I don't know if they knew that there wasn't going to be one by this stage. For that matter, I don't know how long they intended the first season to be because it wasn't all aired at first. So I don't know if it was written with the understanding that it was the last episode. But I think it works well in that role. Something to see if we can find out doing our homework next week. We can always discuss that when we watch it. Can indeed. Yeah, and then a week after we're going to deviate from our formula before we've even completed one season and watch something that we've all already seen. For for good reason, though. I think it's important to to re... Especially for me, to re-watch the film in in the light of now having seen the series. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see now having... Rewatched it, or whether you take something different from certain parts of the film. Yeah, exactly. I would imagine that after seeing um, Heart of Gold, the interactions between Inara and um, Mao will come across completely differently. Yeah, I imagine they make quite a lot more sense. I mean, saying that I've seen the film before, I've not watched it for several years, so yeah, my memory yeah. of it is a bit fuzzy. But uh, and, until next week for Objects in Space. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one more episode. I'm sure we can get through it together. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Don't worry, Dan. We'll be figuratively holding hands. <laughs> it's okay. It's the 21st century. It's not unmanly to cry. <laughs> well, until then. Tissues on standby. Goodbye, internet. That's it for this week, peeps. Tune in next time for more remedial nerding.